You can tell a lot about a person by how they handle being in a locked room. Everyone deals with being trapped and isolated in different ways. Some people revel in it. They find a way to hold all of the cards and take control even in a situation where they have none. Some people look at everything around them and try to find little ways to make being locked up not so bad. Some people shut down and make themselves small and wait for the right opportunity to get out. Some people scream and shout and tear themselves apart. And then there's Harrison. Locking that kid up in a room is asking for trouble. You don't realize it at first. He'll sit there perfectly at ease, won't act differently at all. Maybe stare off into space for a bit and find a moronic way to amuse himself. The longer it lasts, the more bored he gets. Bored Harrison is a dangerous Harrison. He pokes and prods and digs for a reaction that will amuse him for 30 seconds. Then he starts all over again. I've spent most of my life locked in rooms with Harrison, being poked and prodded and goaded into arguments just so he wasn't bored for a minute. The older we got, the harder he had to push to get a reaction. There was always a line. He always knew to never push me too far. We used to be inseparable, before everything, when we were still just kids. You'd never find one of us without the other. It wasn't because we were twins or any of that bullshit. It was because wherever Harrison went, I followed. Harrison and Giselle against the world. We were best friends, each other's only friends for a long time. Partners to the end. That was before everything changed before all the rooms started locking behind us. I spent my life following him everywhere, and I thought he would follow me too. We were still just kids, but I needed him to stay with me, and he was gone. I want to blame him. I've tried to blame him, but it never sticks. Because I didn't want to stay in the locked rooms. I didn't want to make the best of things. I wanted to leave too. It was too hard being around. It was just hard to be at home. But someone had to stay, and Harrison started looking for ways to escape as soon as the doors started closing. So I stayed. I have spent most of my life trying to make the best out of locked rooms. Being locked in a room with Rory Alexander is something else entirely. It's been over a week now of hiding in one room after another with Rory. We haven't stayed in the same place for more than one night since we left Rosa's cabin. He has led us from one safe house to another. It's been abandoned houses on the outskirts of town or back rooms of storefronts with shattered windows. He hasn't asked for my help yet. I'm not sure if I should offer it or not. No matter where we are, the routine is the same. He makes sure we weren't followed and decides he needs to teach me how to clean a gun or hold a knife. And then he stalks from one end of the room to the other, hands behind his back. It's not pacing. There's more purpose to it than that. He told me that Nova was like a jaguar. Right now, the only predator is the one in front of me. Come on, sis. You're gonna work with this guy? 
I close my eyes. This shouldn't still be happening. I shouldn't still be hearing someone who isn't fucking here. Tell me something, Miss Mark. Oh, good. We've reached the small talk portion of the evening where the disgraced former captain of Nova Blanche's army tries to make me question my life choices. It's as good a distraction as any, I guess. You've seen the friends I've made. The length to which I've had to go in order to make sure we aren't killed. Are you steadfast in your choice? Are you still willing to align yourself with me? Then how exactly is this relevant? You've only heard a fraction of what I have done and of the ruthless efficacy with which I've done it. Are you still so willing to choose me as an ally? Why don't you tell me something? Are you trying to get rid of me? Say the word, Captain. I'm not the one who needs to be in hiding. I'm not trying to make you do anything, Giselle. I want us to be clear. You've made a choice aligning yourself with me. I want to make sure you understand the magnitude of that decision. Why does everyone think I need my hand held through hard times? I'm not an idiot. I'm not a child. Half of my life has been nothing but hard choices. I'm not everyone's fucking damsel. I don't need you to tell me that there are consequences to my actions. But there's no other choice I can make. There's always a choice, Miss Mar. No, not always. He shakes his head and turns away. I don't care. Sometimes there's only one choice you can make. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong or if you want to do it or not. Sometimes the only choice is to do what has to be done. My friends are trying to kill each other and my brother got himself stuck in the crossfire. Does this even matter? Of course it fucking matters. Don't be a child. You have other choices. You could walk away from all this. You could shoot me now and ally yourself with Miss Rodriguez. You could take care of Nova on your own. You could find your brother and leave. There's always a choice. But what price are you willing to pay? Every path has a toll. Every highwayman gets his cut. He holds my gaze, and I think that a week ago, I would have looked away. I would have scoffed and rolled my eyes, but let it go. I don't want to let this go. I don't want to play nice. Seems you've got things to take over. I've got personal matters to attend to. Stay inside until I return. You aren't any safer than I am. No diss, Miss Moore. Whatever path you take... He walks over to the door, then turns and looks back at me. He's taking a goddamn dramatic pause. Own your fucking choices. He closes the door behind him, and the soft click feels louder than if he had slammed it. Fuck, what the hell is wrong with me? I used to be so fucking good at talking. Finding the right things to say. I had to have the right words, if only because I had Harrison for a brother. He'd get himself into trouble, and I would have to talk him out of it. So why can't I find the right words anymore? Cripes. You're just on fire tonight, aren't you, sis? So much for the distraction. Aw, suck it up, princess. I mean, not that it's any of my business. You only decided to turn traitor and make friends with the guy who was sent to murder your only brother. You are not my brother. She speaks! It lives! Shit, and here I was thinking I was going to have to get creative to get you to say something. You want me to say something? Fine. What the fuck do you want? Right to the fucking point, huh? No pleasantries? No talk of plans? Like with your new friends, huh? No questions like, Oh, how you doing since I abandoned you to the fucking wolves? Spare me. 
You're not Harrison. Oh, we're arguing semantics now. Really? No. Fine, fine. How's it been since you abandoned the only family you have left? Shut the fuck up. You're not real. Eh, real is more of a subjective state, don't you think? Some people think time is real, and some don't. Some people believe in aliens, ghosts. Hell, people believe that Russia beat us to the moon. I'm real to you, princess. He takes a step towards me, and there's a look in his eye. Something dark and dangerous. Real. Real. Real, 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 real. Boo! What am I? He steps closer to me, and I shove myself sideways. I feel stupid. This isn't real. There's no reason to be afraid. (laughs) You're still living in a fucking fairy tale, huh? Stop. Fucking stop. What do you want? I don't want anything from you, Giselle. Bullshit. All right. All right. You got me. You got me. Just for fun. Let's dance around this a little more. You want to know what I want? You gotta stop fucking around, sis. You know what you gotta do, so just do the goddamn thing already. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What have you really done, huh? Hmm? This past year, what have you done? Nova built herself a whole goddamn army. Ruby made herself the leader of a revolution. Hell, even Brother Dearest got himself some connections so he could do something. But what have you done? Giselle. The room suddenly feels smaller. The walls are too close and the air is too still and I can't fucking breathe in here. It's too much and too familiar in all the wrong ways. I can't stay here for another minute. I don't care if this is all in my head because I'm too fucking tired to function anymore. I can't stay here. Reaching for the door again. Is that your go-to now? That's right. Go ahead. Run away. It's all you've ever wanted, isn't it, princess? You always just want to run. The door is right there. Just one more step. I can't let Harrison push my buttons the way he always does to get a reaction out of me. This isn't even Harrison. I just need to leave. Then go ahead. Do it. Do it. Run. Jesus fucking Christ. You want to lecture me on running away? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Harrison grins, and I feel like I'm ten years old again, and waiting for someone to pull us apart before we smack the shit out of each other. No one else can make me so fucking furious. He gets that smirk and that holier-than-thou tone in his voice, and there's no way I can back down. Even now, I can't be anything but that ten-year-old who has to prove she's right and Harrison's wrong. Did I hit a nerve? Poor little princess can't take it when someone points out she isn't perfect. Save it, sis. I don't give a damn about being perfect, but I'm not about to stand here and let you give me shit for something I didn't do. Oh, but you wanted to. It was all you wanted, to run away from it all. Wasn't it? What I wanted never fucking mattered. Didn't it? You think we couldn't see just how much you wanted to get away from us? That's not how it was. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sure. Keep telling yourself that. (laughs) That'll make it true. That's not how it was. Harrison knows that, 
The Harrison you just left, you mean? You mean that Harrison, right? Shut up. What was it we always said? Oh, yeah. Partners to the very end. So much for that shit, huh? All right. Fine. I left Harrison. Is that what you wanted to hear? I left him. But I didn't run away. That's not what happened. Semantics again. Come on, sis. Sing a new song. I am not the one who ran away. I wanted to. But I didn't. I was the one who stayed. That's right. Good old Giselle. Everyone's fucking hero. Shut up. Someone had to stay. Aw, and you were real broken up about having to swoop in and save the day, weren't you? I'm not doing this with you. Yeah, there she goes again, trying to take the high ground on me now, huh? If it means getting the fuck away from this particular topic, I'll scale the entire goddamn mountain if I have to. Good lord. You even run away from a conversation. A simple conversation. <sighs> what would Mama think of her little moon now? We have always had a line. Harrison is always known to never push me too far. We'd tow it, get just close enough so the other would back off. But we'd never cross it. We're so far past the line, I can't fucking see it anymore. I slam the door behind me and don't look back. Rory thinks I'm in as much danger as he is? Fine. I won't go into town. But I don't have to be the one who stays anymore. There's still one place I can go to. Some place no one else knows about. Or that no one remembers, at least. I found it by chance an old house halfway up the mountain. The enormous, ancient kind the people wrote horror movies about. It got turned into a museum for a few summers when we were young, probably because someone vaguely important lived there once upon a time. It was off one of the old access roads up the mountain, a road I shouldn't have been driving on to begin with, especially not at 16 and barely able to drive at all. But there were so many bad nights. Nights when Mom would pace from one end of the room to the other, and I would have to hold her hands so she wouldn't tear her hair out of her head. Nights when no matter what I did, she would keep saying she wasn't safe and that I was locking her up. Nights when I had to steel myself against the whispered, spitting insults and remember, this isn't Mama talking. The night I found the house was one of the worst. Taking her out to the tiny balcony, sitting in the backyard, pointing out the stars in the sky that she taught me years and years before. None of it worked. So I took her to the car. I rolled down the windows even though it was February, and probably more harm than help. I drove. I drove and drove, and eventually, I found the house. Finding it felt like finding the answer to every question I had ever asked. Even now, it doesn't feel real. The sky was perfect and clear, and the entire house was lit up with moonlight. I could pick out every star of every constellation Mama had ever taught me. I stood next to the window and looked up at the sky while she wandered the room. She trailed her fingers over the dust-covered tables. She straightened the sheets covering the couches and chairs. It felt like hours passed, 
I listened to her and watched the sky, and then she was beside me, her hand slipping into mine. I could feel the dust caking her fingers, but I didn't care. It felt more like home than being at home did. I almost expected her to point out Castor and Pollux and tell me the story of the Gemini twins again, just like when we were kids. It felt like I had Mama again. It doesn't look any different. It's been three years since I've set eyes on it, but it's just the same. Enormous and towering and looking entirely out of place against the trees. A strange contradiction between timelessness and decay. But something is different. There's something off. This place has always felt safe. Now there's something... Someone else is here. Where the fuck have you been? Trying to do my job unlike someone else. Oh. And here I was thinking your job was to follow my orders. Maybe it used to be. Then you abandoned your post. Do you know what's happened since you've left? I've been in hiding. You know that. I could guess if you really want. Billingsley picked up right where you left off. Do you know that? He's still out there looking for you or the Moor girl or the rebel in the Red Hood. I don't even know. He's not following orders anymore. Ambitious bastard. What did you expect? He isn't the only one who's gone off the reservation. You were the only thing keeping that army from mutiny. And what do you do? You fail to follow through on the one mission you had, and then you go MIA. I see. So, does Nova have a new captain to keep her army in line? No. She's dangerous, Smith. Unpredictable. I've been telling you we shouldn't trust her for months. Now you finally decide to start listening. We don't have any other options. Nova has to be stopped. She won't rest until she's had my head. That won't be necessary. You saw how she was with her rebel friend. She doesn't let a grudge go. She wants me dead and I won't go quietly. Rory. Something has to change. You have to see that. Things have already changed. They've been changing. Emerson. She's dead, Rory. What? Nova is dead. Ava had her killed. I don't stay and wait to be found out. I don't want to know more. Rory will start asking questions, how Nova died and why they killed her and what they have to do next. I don't care. None of it matters. Whatever happened to Nova, she brought it on herself. She wasn't the same Nova that I met. That Nova died a long time ago. The Nova I saw last week she wasn't the waif-like teenager who would rescue injured birds off the side of the road. The quiet, obnoxiously optimistic girl I couldn't help but care about wouldn't have gotten herself killed. She wouldn't have done anything to deserve that kind of violence. I never wanted to be Nova's friend, but it happened anyway. I don't want to be upset that she's dead, not after what she's done. Mama used to tell me our lives are like stars. She told me, if you burn bright enough, live bold enough, your light will shine on long after you burn out, little moon. Then she got sick. She wasn't Mama anymore, and then she died. I didn't want to think about stars anymore. 
but I think she was right. The choices we make will be remembered long after we're dead and gone. Mama has been dead for three years, but I still remember her stories. I still remember the nights when she was full of nothing but rage and spite and cruelty and would direct every ounce of it at me because who else was there for her to point it at? But I remember the nights when she was soft and quiet and kind too. The nights where she would brush my hair and hold my hands. Once upon a time, Nova was my friend. No matter what she did after, there's no erasing that I cared about her. And now she's dead. Everything is spiraling out of control. We can't stay here anymore. It isn't safe. I need to find Harrison. Ruby, too. We have to leave. But where the fuck do I even start looking for them? Rosa left to look for Harrison a week ago, and there's been no word yet. But I can't just sit around and wait to hear if Rosa has found something or not. Sounds like you need a plan, sis. I turn, and he's there, standing right beside me, smirking like he doesn't have a care in the world. I don't know why this is happening. There's something wrong with me. But I don't have time for that. I need to find my brother. If this is the fastest way to accomplish that, then so be it. You going to help me or not? Dear Knight, I will follow thee to the bitter end. We interrupt your regularly scheduled propaganda to bring you this special announcement. Broadcast live on all radio or public frequencies. This is your Hellion from the Rebellion, your Herald and Harbinger, your Phoenix rising from the ashes of terror and tyranny to bring you news of the revolution. It's time to listen up and get ready to set fire to the sky. So raise your weapons high and your banners higher. The future is ours and we are limitless. We are unstoppable. We are boisterous. Friends, we have suffered for long enough at the hands of the Republic. It is time to rewrite the path of our fates. Do not let your voices be lost in the noise. Speak up and shout out. Nova Blanche has had nothing to say since proclaiming she saved us from the Supreme Leader. Do not let this give you false hopes. The Blue Army serves its own agenda and they will not stay quiet for long. They will come and as they have proven time and time again, they do not want peace. Next week, we will bring you first-hand accounts of their mindless violence and aimless bloodshed, all in the name of liberating us. For now, the time for hiding has passed. We can no longer stand by and let others fight for us because they have shown themselves to be incapable. Stand up. Join me in our fight for justice and freedom. I know you are afraid. I know that you don't think there is anything you could do. You are not alone. Use those feelings to fuel your fire. This fight is everyone's fight. We each have our own part to play, our own story to tell, our own voice that needs to be heard. I was afraid too, terrified to speak out, 
or say anything at all. My family was Republic through and through. I lived in fear that they would discover my rebellion. But I couldn't stay silenced. I refused to sit and watch as they helped take away the liberties and lives of others. So I stood up. I stopped whispering into a void and started screaming into the masses. I spoke out. I fought back. I keep fighting. And now, I ask you to do the same. Stand up and fight. Not just for what we all want, but for what you want. Fight to live another day worth living. Fight for the ruin of those who have destroyed what you've built. Fight for a new dawn blazing on that promised horizon. One that doesn't promise the end of pain, but the ability to be content in spite of it. The Republic has tried to silence you. The Blue Army has tried to speak for you. Join the Rousers and fight for your voice to be heard. And as always, lovers and friends, stay boisterous. Hey, I'm Katie Rock, creator of the Coup de Gras podcast, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 2, Run. The cast for this episode, in order of appearance, is as follows. Giselle Moore, played by Kate Malone. Harrison Moore, played by Evan Torres. Rory Alexander, played by Ryan Perry. Emerson Smith was played by Heather Wallen. Phoenix, played by Marissa Marquez. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Coup de Gras. Be sure to follow our Facebook page for updates, photos, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Everyone here at Coup de Gras would like to thank our listeners for your continued support. If you are interested in contributing to the world of CDG, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash coup de gras podcast. Episode 3 will release on October 5th. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay boisterous.